So, this is Faith Over Breakfast, Season 2, Episode 34. Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. I'm Eric, and Andy's sitting across from me. And We're talking power as the jets of the U.S. military fly low. Fly low. So if you want a podcast for a discounted rate, during flight patterns is when you should sign <laughs> yeah, That's right. <laughs> anyway. That's uh, what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. Well, yeah, we talked about the gospel. It was an interesting conversation. Uh, enjoy. The gospel as it applies to uh, some some of the discussions going on in politics. Yeah. And then we can just talk. Uh, we're live now? Yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. Hey, Eric. How's it going? Good morning. I'm, I'm doing okay. How's your Brugger's Bagel Sandwich? What'd you get there? Is that a pumpernickel? Yeah. They were almost out of everything, but I like pumpernickel bagels. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I haven't had one in a long time. So I see you went to Starbucks and Brugger's, even though Brugger's sells coffee. Well, you never know if I have a Starbucks cup if I actually went to Starbucks. Why? Do you just steal their cups? Well, I go to Starbucks, and then I save their cups, and I rinse them out, and then I make my own drinks and just carry them around. Old school. Yeah, so I try to keep them as long as I can. Okay, so what's in there? Uh, chai, latte. You this, did go to Starbucks. This one today, yeah. I went to Starbucks. Yeah, okay. But all week now, if I'll be carrying this around, I will not have gone to Starbucks. Dang, man. That's pretty pastoral right there. Well, my wife... That's when you know you've gone big. The Tucson... Is it the Tucson Roasters? There's a there's a Tucson roaster. Yeah, so my Tucson wife coffee roasters. Yeah, yeah, coffee roasters. She loves their chai lattes. She really? loves them. So she went and found the chai mm. uh, stuff that they use, and she over at Walmart. It. Over at Walmart. Now you have to special order it, and it's expensive sixty bucks a bottle. Oh, you guys are doing well. But uh, it lasts forever. Okay. So cause no you know, it's only one pump, and it's like this huge thing. Whoa. I know everybody can see my hands on. Yeah, on, I know everybody. Guess. Everybody awesome. just realized you're talking about a two foot tall. Yeah. Thing anyway, of chai. so you just put one squirt in there and steam up some almond milk or whatever, and you're good to go. It's yeah. really good. Wow. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah, I'm amazing. I, I'm ridiculously amazing. Just like and, how and you have an, a list of. Things you want to apply the gospel to Ooh. on a Tuesday morning. It's Tuesday morning here in Tucson. We had a unbelievable 60-some degree May day yesterday, which was... Ridiculous. What in the world was that? It was... I loved it just because I know, you know, we're we're going to forget those existed pretty soon. But yeah, anyway, here we are. Sun's back out. Tucson on a Tuesday. Pumpernickel bagel. Chai and Eric has... Mm. A list. What is it? Mm-hmm. You want to apply the gospel? You're going to chew up in that mic. Mm. Yeah, that's what a pumpernickel bagel sounds like. Yummy, Thank guys. You, Eric. So here's the thing. You know, I we, I bought a car. Remember we talked about yeah. on air. I think that does it still run? I haven't. I don't know. Oh, it ran all the way to <sighs> Jeff's on Monday because he bought all the parts and yeah. his son had got married, so I was delayed on the. Uh, Fixing things because he closed the shop. Oh, down. yeah. We've been getting his priorities all mixed mm-hmm. up. Can I just say, like, I think I'm opening a car dealership. I helped you buy a car. I've got a car sitting out front of here that's for sale. I just helped somebody else buy a car from a neighbor here, like, last weekend. And Craigslist just started charging me to post ads. Oh, really? Which means, you know what that means? It means, like, I've... I've posted too much. Hmm. So they're charging me, so I guess that means I'm, mm. a, I'm like a dealer. How much do they charge you? 
five bucks. Mm. I didn't do it. I just, I just moved over to offer up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah. so here's the thing. I, I have uh, my dad's car for a while. Okay. And the radio works in my dad's car. Oh, that's surprising. So I was listening to NPR, which I don't listen to the news or really yeah. read the news very often. Yeah. Because it's just it. depressing. Yeah. And it's hard for me to handle. But, you know, we, we have these issues that are going on in our world. Uh, in particular, you know, things like Iran. And Where'd you run? I ran to abortion law. Oh, that's the other And issue. then I ran from abortion law to immigration and poverty. And we're talking about, and you know, marriage rights and all these kinds of things. And I'm thinking maybe uh, we need to start talking about how we think about these things from a gospel perspective. Yeah. In particular, as the uh, election process is just about to really yeah yeah it's gonna happen get started yep and we got if, got 97 democratic candidates to right. choose from yeah and i think we have talked about this on on the podcast before but once the election happened it was really hard for both of our churches yeah, yeah. um and to understand where they fit and mm-hmm. and how they're in community together and so maybe I mean, I, I liked our last week's talk about the gospel, so it's a good theme that we can begin to talk about how we yeah. might approach these things from a gospel perspective and not necessarily, um, I don't know, a partisan okay. American. Oh, so you're going politics on I'd you like to go politics. You didn't for... specify that. You just said, oh, applying the gospel to, you know. Well, to part anything, of... I think there's some principles and we can use yeah. them, but I think there are some yeah. things like war. Iran. Yes, things like abortion law that just happened yeah things like personally how we deal with our marriages yeah and uh and how and i think immigration poverty are big things that are being talked about right now and we're all mm-hmm. experiencing so that's things to talk about which is why you're rewashing your starbucks cups you're yeah. experiencing poverty yes no i rewash them because i'm trying to help the environment in one are tiny you? little that's way yeah i think you know hey good job man i'm trying that's good that that's encouraging so yeah well, I mean, you could be in poverty if you bought one of these every day. You well, and a lot of people are. Yes, yeah, because of because their, of their... this this discussion just happened here in our wood shop, where one of the guys used to work at the Starbucks in South Tucson, and was just discussing how the same you know people clearly struggling in life or throwing down five six bucks for Starbucks every single day. Yeah, yeah, um, and hey. I could be guilty of that. There's that pumpernickel again. Mm. Listen to that crunch. And here's the thing about a Brugger's bagel. It's got that, that soft inner core, mm. but that little bit of crunch on the outside. And mm-hmm. Eric is exhibiting that for us. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow, delicious. When we used to record live over breakfast, our mic wasn't quite as precise. And you were eating the sandwiches, and I usually got there early and had already eaten. Yeah, that's that's true. So a lot of times it was you. It was me. And not me. So this is a switch. Eric, we're six minutes deep. Let's jump in. Well, yeah, let's talk about uh, – maybe we could discuss what we think the gospel is. What are some of the gospel principles that when we think about applying them to things? And then we could kind of talk about how that works with different – Okay, so let me let me throw this out there. I just started with uh, – or this was discussed last night at our groundwork session on evangelism. It was discussed at our – I brought it up in a sermon Sunday. So we we were talking about – and Sunday, we're, we're in the portion of First John where it talks about the last hour. So mm-hmm. it's like, what does this mean? The last day is the last mm-hmm. hour. 
but um, one of the one of the portions we discussed was kind of what what should you be what should you be doing uh, during this during this last hour, right? And uh, and John in First John tells you to kind of be on alert of being deceived, um, mm-hmm. and tells you to abide in the teaching that had been entrusted to you. So we talked about just the gospel and the the yeah some of the the clear portions of. It. So one of the things I tried to draw out was that in order to understand grace you need two things. And I'm now holding up my hands in, in a very dramatic way that you're, nobody you're can acting see. like a preacher. That's fine. I, I will I, I'll narrate as good. you go. I'm just gonna keep doing it because yep. that's the only it's, way it's I fine. can think. I understand. Your brain as a pastor it's also in your hands. I've learned this. Yeah. There's some there's some brain in your hands. Brain hands. Brain hands. Um so you need to understand what righteousness looks like. So you need law. And then you un- need to understand that God's giving you a gift outside of your own righteousness, okay. and which is grace. Um, so the, the good news of the gospel is incomprehensible unless you understand what is right and wrong. Um, but following, you know, getting everything right is not how you get the gift that God is giving. So, um, you know, kind of kind of understanding that and, and operating that way. So you can't, um, if we were to jump off of that little definition, you can't represent grace to anybody if there's no understanding of what is right, wrong, true. Um, but you also cannot reconcile anybody to God by the pathway of getting things right. So what do you do with that when it comes to public policy? Hmm. So we got rules. Public policy is all about rules. It has to be. Right. Well, what else would it be? Right. I mean, like, yeah, it, even when people say, let's all, let's be kind to each other. Well, it's just kind of a rule. Right. Yeah, what else would would it be? Right. So maybe we could. So what you're saying is the gospel has an element in it of us knowing what right and wrong is. In a sense, I think of, it's incomprehensible without that backdrop. Right. Got to got to have some sense of what is good and what is evil. Well, to see grace and mercy, you have to know what you deserve. Right. Would be or yeah or what the grace is assuaging. Right, right. So, so let's let's build out First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen, right? Where Paul says, first thing he says is, you know, this is what I was told. I'm gonna tell you, mm-hmm. and he says according to the scriptures. Yeah, and then he doesn't say anything about sin. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say anything about repenting. He just says about, talks about believing, and then he mm-hmm. declares what happened. Okay. So there's an element of the gospel that has nothing to even do with that. I'd say there's an element, at least the first element of the gospel is a declaration of rule. Who's sure. rule? Okay, right? like kingdom rule. Kingdom saying. rule, yes. Okay. I think Paul thinks that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he thinks that declar- declaration has a power. Do you think he takes the same approach? I mean, that that in that scripture perhaps. But do you – I've always wondered with Paul if he didn't kind of read who he was – 
talking to, like in in you know where mm-hmm. his where he jumped in or how he. It seems like he took a lot of different approaches. Well, there's I think seven to nine. I can't remember some between seven to nine proclamations of the gospel and acts, uh-huh. and all of them, in some way, even the even the uh, the Acts seventeen has has a sense of according to the scriptures, according oh, to the beginning, according sure. to uh, it's always a declaration yeah. first of who's ruler because mm-hmm. Paul sees himself as a herald, then he sees himself as a person to point out and explain right and wrong. I mean, even Peter in his 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 evangelistic thing, he stands up and he says, "You know, this Jesus with whom you crucified, yeah, right, God raised to be Lord and Christ." Like, there's there's this element of establishing Christ's rule mm-hmm. through his death and resurrection mm-hmm. for our sin. So, I, I think the thing that so the question I would have in, in what you're talking about, and I would love to see you kind of mess with this a little bit talk about it is we as the gospel is certainly a personal thing a relationship between you and god right but it's but it's built up of a kingdom called the Mm -hmm. church Mm -hmm. a people and and so people who are ruled by by jesus and so in some ways like how do i take this idea that okay we have let's just start with the first one but we have america U.S., with which we are citizens of, and mm-hmm. we have Iran, and there's a conflict happening. Mm-hmm. These people are what I would call demigods. They're they're people who are raised up to rule. They're the emperors of our time. We're to honor and respect mm-hmm. them, but they're going to war with each other or threatening war or whatever you want. Right. So we know who's king. How do we know that all those people are broken in their own sin and in darkness? So what are, how do we sit in, in the U.S. And, and our our brothers and sisters who are in Iran, mm-hmm. how do we begin to think about this in a way that, that unites us and in a way that can communicate really what the gospel is to our neighbors in the context of that? Like how do we – Well, there's um, – I mean how do you – Not to diverge from you, what you you're – You can tra- diverge. That's fine. Can I? Oh, yes. Um, may I, I? I am the emperor of this podcast today. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. No. Um, so there's there's how can we think about it? I, I tend to think it has to do with what you your role in it as well. So, okay. I mean, let's say let's say that we are. What is that? We got we got podcast yeah. intruders. Yeah, here go kick them out real quick. No, um, what the the okay? Where where was I? So your role, the role. Yeah. So if you are if you are say in your church and you have a a friend in Iran that you you know instant message who is also a believer and you're you're chatting about things and how could you think about it. But then another question would be if you're actually um, on the surveillance team that saw the nuclear weapon um, or if you are uh, someone who is shaping policy, uh, who, who, you know, has to make a decision. Um, I think there are different. Okay, those are good. And then let's just throw one in there. You are sitting at coffee. Yep. And your buddy says, "Hey, man, what do you think about this whole Iran thing?" Sure, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that. Yeah, all those. I think those are all good. Like, how do we? Yeah, and and we can then try to apply these principles to immigration, to marriage, to like, like let's think those things. Right. Okay, so if somebody said to me, "What do you think of this whole Iran thing?" Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say I think I would assume that they indeed loaded some weapons on a ship. I I don't know much about that. Um, I hope we can trust the people in their positions. Um, you know, I'm I'm not always sure about the, that sort of thing, but I hope sure. so. Um, and I would say their job is to, you know, sort of a la Paul and Romans to protect and execute justice. And so I hope that they are carefully parsing that out. I hope that we have thought well about who we put there and who we put in position to appoint people there. Um, because now this could get, this is really important. Hmm. I, I suppose that's what I would say. You would say what, what would you, you would say something far more deep and spiritual. Well, no, I want to, maybe this thing, even, and partly I don't have it all down. And I'm like, Hey, so right. Andy and Eric are going to talk about how you apply <laughs> the gospel to Iran. We've, in right. fact, uh, that's my thesis, my master's thesis, and you've worked hard and long on this and do lectures. And so we kind of, no, I think it's something I want to work out on the air or in the podcast together um, and think it through because I, I think, okay, so I think the gospel itself has a, declar- a declaring thing. I was listening yeah, to our last like podcast. we talked about last time. Which is, is really good. Like it's it's not always a purely an invitation to repent from your sins as at first. It's a declaration of the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. And the kingdom of God doesn't want there to be violence and war. It may be inevitable, but it's not what God has designed. That's not what he wants peace. He's blessed as the peacemaker, blessed, sure. you know. Um, so so an element of, of the gospel is to say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I think sometimes we tend to say, like what you were saying, which is the next level down, which is, I hope that this, I hope everybody's doing what they're supposed to do and that they're honoring principles of, of justice and goodness. Right. But, on the, but we forget, I think, in some sense, applying the gospel is just saying, this is not the way it's supposed to be. There shouldn't be this conflict. There shouldn't be this violence. Sure. Um, it's going to create sadness and mourning and right. death. And that's right. not good. It's always terrible. Right. And I think we forget to say that. So I think applying the gospel is really being willing to continually say, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus died for this. This is why he died. See, we're so broken that we're talking about trying to avoid and deal with mass destruction of, of humanity. Yeah, and I, I'm for that. I guess I'm imagining um, I'm imagining somebody who's in the, the decision-making room, right? Sure. And they are a Christian. Yeah. Which I – again, okay, so. <laughs> I know. And, and you might say I don't think that's possible. But like, well, I mean, I think it's possible to be a Christian and be there. I don't know if you know. I'd have to wrestle morally with should you be there. Well, yeah, but then I mean, there's. I think there's also a moral wrestling if we're going to talk about how it shouldn't be this way of Christians not being in any place like that. Because um, there's there's levels of conflict. I mean, we're talking about a drastic one like nuclear war. But I mean, I'm on a local business board, and there's been conflict there. 
Um, and sure. and there have been conflicts like I mean they seem very minor, but just differences and sure. um, where people can't work together um, between different associations. And um, I'm just the saying association war. <laughs> oh, for real though. Like, and that's I mean, aren't these like the micro versions of of the big thing that we're talking? I mean, it's right. Point, and I, I agree with you. I think we should be part of those. I just when it comes to taking people's life, I'm still a little yeah. No, for when, sure. When I have the power to take mass amounts of people's lives by pushing buttons and making orders, that's no, that's I, different. Well, yeah. It is, but I also would say, like, if we're for shalom or, you know, that things ought to be peaceful, if we just go, well, I can't be a part of any group that could make a decision like that, then we're vacating all the areas in which, you know, actual experiential shalom could be accomplished. Right, right. You're making my argument that I usually make, used to make against homeschooling. Oh yeah, perfect. No. So um, yeah, not that I mean, I'm that was I. Yeah, I've learned that that position is both painful for people to have to deal with hearing from me, and also probably not fully an honest way of dealing with things. But yeah, well, yeah. So at least I'm being dishonest with you, right? Yeah. Now. No, but I, 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 I guess, that, but yeah. I guess, like, I'm just saying that I, I, I don't know. I don't. To me, it's very complicated. I, I feel the same tension. But, but either I'm, but either way, you can still say this is even if you're in there and you're you're on the, the you've seen the bombs. You're, you're you're the man. You're up there. You still could say, hey, no matter how and what decisions I have to make, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Right. Well, that, yeah, that's kind of where I was headed. Was I was I would hope because and I and I know ty- the type of person I've met people who want power and the idea that I could push that button is kind of really interesting to them Mm -hmm. and that worries me that that you know and that that's a that's a way that people feel and there i think there's a spiritual layer to all of that um so i would i would rather if there was somebody that had the power to push that button i would rather it be the kind of person who would weep pushing the button um or who would just lament and that this that it is this way, and that right. would ever have to be this way, and would only do it if utterly convinced that that there are more lives to be saved here by doing that, and we must bear this sword right now. Right. Um. And and I'm I'm not saying that solves it or fixes right. it, but I would much rather have somebody who wept as they did it than somebody who went, "Let's kill them." You know, like let's get these terrible people out. Like that, that you know, right? Well, and that and that may be that. So, so part of the gospel is is encouraging people not to demonize the enemy. Yeah, to go. This is these are people like me. They're image bearers. These are they're image bearers, and I always think if I'd grown up under this type of radicalization, I'd, I'd be doing the same thing. Sure. Like this, these are not people who are crazy different than me. They're people just like me. Um, and I, I very well could be one of them and I, I could have been, and I could become right. one of them if we go that direction. I don't want to go to, to the, you know, the philosopher's thing, you know, yeah. in his song where he says, I hope the Russians love their children too. That's one of his, sure. you know, that, that, that is a, and I'm sure they do. He's appealing to the humanity of us all. Right. Like there's this image bearing humanity that we all hold on to, or we hope to, and, and. I think so. Part of the gospel and part of maybe declaring God's rule is fighting for the humanity of an, our enemy. Yeah, I think that is probably the beginning. Would be my yeah. Um, 
thing. Yeah. So then what do you do? Like, okay, so I mean, Iran has some interesting things in it. I mean, because, you know, there, there's certainly a threat there. But you can, but there are plenty of different wars that our country has gotten itself into that aren't necessarily clear and present dangers. No, right. I mean, we, I, this is just my sense, you know, is that we, we look for conflicts to enter into more than most nations. And I think there's a dark side to that. And I also, then on the flip side, I think some would say with much power comes much responsibility. So because we have the the tools and the sure. wherewithal to do it. Right. So I, I could see both sides of that. Um, but and, you kind of, then you end up with state Machiavellian statements of the ends justify the means and things sure. like that. And you're just like, oh, I don't know. If that's... <laughs> well, but I mean, that's, I mean, somebody could say, you know, the police officers ought to be looking for criminals because they have the resources. Right. Um, just because they're police officers doesn't mean they should sit in quiet rooms and go, well, I don't hear anything. So nothing's going on out there. Sure. So the question is, does the world – has the world uh, dubbed us their police officers or have we declared that upon them? Right. Um, and, yeah. you know, what does it mean to live in such a connected world where I can listen to conversations uh, across the globe and, right. uh, and you know, with a satellite peer into people's windows? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, like, I, I'm really – when it thinks – when I think about the gospel, so – I mean, at the village, we talk about the gospel a lot in this declaration form, but we also talk a lot about it being, uh, and then what do you what was the word you'd use it? And immersing yourself in the story of Jesus. So, what we would call being gospel fluent or story fluent in the sure, sense that sure. you have a familiarity with Jesus's stories to the point where you can find yourself in them, you yeah. can tell them in your own words, you can begin to to really make them re- real to you, like really. It's his story that you're part of, right? And 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 re- then le- letting that that death and resurrection have a, a bigger weight because of how much you're in that story. Um, and then the th- interesting part to me is in you talking about the person who pushes the button or makes powerful I, decorations. I think it feels like I'm talking about people who are in the in the middle. Like, say, if we were talking about the election, I would be talking about the candidates. Right. You're talking about the people back home watching it on television. Yes. Right. Yeah. And th- I mean, those both are important, right? Right. But, the, but it's, you know, the person at home watching the television needs to have a certain view through which they process it all to know sure. how to participate. Sure. And then you've got the people who are, they're on the, they're debating. Right. And they are actually going to get into office. And, and have power. And those, and so both exist and, yeah, I mean, yeah. So I guess like the the second part though, in, in talking about what you're saying is that there is this identity that's very clear within First Peter two of being a royal priesthood and our role in that, of you know, declaring our journey at how Christ brought us out of the darkness and into the light, um, and understanding the healing that comes from the scars of Christ and all, the wounds of Christ and all of that. Like we are priests, mm-hmm. you know. And I think so. What does it mean when I look at the election, when I look at, you know, um, immigration, when I look at, you know, my own wife, what does it mean to be a priest? How do I apply that to mm-hmm. all of these different places in a consistent way? Because priests operate much differently, I think, than the average guy. Like, they right. have a mission. And when you're a royal priesthood, there's a kingly mission. Like, 
uh, to rec well, one priests get messy. Yeah, with people they're in it. They're in it. They get dirty, and then so, they also. I mean, Old Testament priests bring a sacrifice to draw to to atone for people, but now right. we're a reconciling priests. We offer Christ's yeah. sacrifice. So let's apply that to immigration. How? It's a big issue in our part of the world. In our part of the the, the world country. So we got to get messy and yes. bring the God. I mean, I hear a lot of talking right. by Christians on both sides. but And there are people who are actually doing Stuff. a thing. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, and yeah. a lot of churches are. Right. In fact, who is the, the, the point for all of the, you know, not immigrants, but people looking for asylum? Mm-hmm. Is the churches? The churches yeah. are opening up their spaces, giving people showers, getting them clothes, getting them connected to their relatives. And, and unfortunately, mostly not the conservative. I mean, very few. I, I really wish we didn't have these labels: conservative and liberal churches. I, I mean, because it people think of that along along uh, political lines, but originally those terms were theological. Right. Um, but but the more theologically liberal churches unfortunately are doing that more yeah and I, I don't know that I know like for instance from what I've noticed that's been well except the Catholics break that yeah and, and I think I know that in the RCA they're doing a ton good so, you know and I, good. So I think I think there are yeah more moderate and conservative churches who are good. I think what I've noticed is that usually in the immigration world you're right the more mainline churches open up their doors and are engaged politically that way and, and what do you mean immigrants. by mainline? So I'm talking about Lutherans, uh, Presbyterians. But how does one get the the, the term mainline? Apply? I mean, I know I know what they're, I know how to categorize. I'm just con- trying to work that out. Connected to ancient or not ancient. They're connected to to denominations that have some legacy. They have some length of time. They're connected more to Europe in there. So you have a Lutheran started, you know, in Germany. You have. But you have conservative and liberal Lutherans. Yes. Yeah. But they're all still, you know, these are major denominations over the last hundred years that kind yeah. of, that's how I understand them anyway. Whereas we have people like you and I who are more independent, not connected, um, loosely connected. I'm I hear to figure that out. Getting grants from denominations, those kinds of things, you know. Right. But that's, Why aren't you doing that? We are. <coughs> Good. Anyway. Um, but... But yes, so so churches are in, are engaging with that. But let's say in your in your church, you're you're t- teaching your people. We are priests, and it needs to get messy, and we need to actually bring this reconciliation. So how does that? If you if you could you know imagine how that could work out in the next six months, um, what might people practically do? Well, I think because there's you know we can have. We can ethereally. I actually you know. think that, and here's my, and here's maybe where you and I will diverge. I don't know. I I don't think that. I do think that there are people who should have role in government who are are followers of Jesus. But I think predominantly, as priests, our job is to make the declaration of man's humanity. That every time that we come to an issue, from Iran to immigration to poverty, the church's job is to say these are image bearers. We don't say always who and, and who are we saying that to, and how are we saying we that? We actually to them? say that to power. I think we're asking right. power, whatever power is, to understand and recognize the humanity of people. Great. We aren't necessarily giving them the solution. Okay. I think the solution is to remember that 
there is ways that Jesus, to remind people of what Jesus invites us to do with those people who are human. So in the next six months yes. at the village or through the village, yeah. if you could imagine how you would say that to power practically, sure. how, what would that look like? Well, that was weird. I think there's a buzz coming off of my mic. Might be. Did you hear? Right, oh, we just, just went changed. dead silent. Yeah. Yeah, I think there must be a short in my wire. We'll need to fix that. Yeah. Shucks. Well, hey, we learned something live on the air. Um, well, I, I think there's a couple of things. One, the thing that I struggle with so much is we live in, like you said earlier, an interconnected world where I could actually probably tell you what somebody ate if I worked a little hard on Google in Iran right now. Like I could say Joe Schmo had this, you know, shawarma because it's we're that interconnected because he took a picture of himself and sure. put it on Instagram where – you know, we talk about the the first century. You barely know what I mean. You know what your neighbor's doing, and you're afraid of the Roman soldier who's marching right. by. Like you don't. You're in Paul saying, "Live a quiet life. Don't don't call attention to yourself. Like don't make a mess for this little church that's starting out." So how does that all? I, I get that, but like right. I'm so, trying to like boots to the ground here. Like what what would it look like to declare the humanity of people in Iran to power? So I. Well, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think in a congregation, you remind the people over and over and you ask them to remind each other that Iran and the people of Iran bear the image of God Okay. and that we should pray for them and that we should, when we are, when we encounter others speaking poorly of them, we should stand up for them. Okay. Not necessarily to justify their actions, simply to remind people that they're human. Mm. I think... We have to ask ourselves, okay, when it comes to the immigration thing, what, who's really our neighbor right now? Maybe we're at a point where we know brothers and sisters who are working with immigration, that if we feel called, we can support them some way, unless that's something that's connected to us. But we need to all be praying for them and for that work. And anytime there's an opportunity to speak for in a public square, anytime to speak for the humanity. But I got to ask who's my neighbor. At this point, right now, maybe my neighbor isn't an immigrant. Maybe my neighbor is the homeless because we're the homeless are a big part now of our neighborhood. It's yeah. it's and and I've noticed that the homeless. I mean, we we are starting to have homeless people come to our church. Seems like Jesus's thing on neighbor is, uh, you know, don't reduce it. Um, like be willing for it to be. I don't know. I'm you know, Good Samaritan stuff. Like the neighbor and the Good Samaritan is. Uh, you know, quite distant. He um, he is, yeah. but it's it's also who walk who he walks yes, by. Right, he's yeah, right there. Yeah. I would, I would. <laughs> the I would, guy in the ditch is the guy who's your neighbor. But I bet you're you're bumping into a lot of people with a, uh, you know, you know, potentially you know coming and working on your plumbing or whatever who are not legal immigrants sure. here. Um, and so you know, do you? You asking that question? You think you know it's it's well. Uh, I think again, so that becomes your neighbor, and I think the invitation when you say somebody is human and they bear the image of God, that means you have to get into their story, sure, and to their their angst and their anxiety, and you know it goes back to like what the social work told told me when we started our church, and I was asking her well, how does the church get involved. She said, please, please don't volunteer for anything. Mm. She said, adopt a single mom, make her your life, her problems your problems. Her anxieties, your anxieties. When she needs a babysitter, that's you. Yeah. You know, 
that like make her story your story and then she will become part of you and then she will be doing what you're doing and instead of trying to volunteer at a food yeah. thing. And so I get not- I, I see your vision of um at the village of healing the city one person sure. at a time in that. But I'm I'm still trying to figure out the how to declare the immigrant to power. power. Um like what how do you declare to power that people are human? Right. And bear the image of God. Yeah. Well where do you find power? In your life, where does power exhibit itself? In a loud voice, somebody angrily talking about immigrants, that's power. Sure. Um, if you feel so burdened by the issue and a call and God on your heart, then you go to the meetings and you, you speak differently. Instead of speaking and advocating for immigrant immigrants' rights, you advocate for their, advocate for their humanity. Okay. Which is... I don't think something Christians have done a lot of work on. So we have a lot to say because we, what we say is, oh, politically, like we, we need, you know, people need to come in legally. This is the rules. People need to obey the rules. Or we sure. say, hey, these are all humans. We have, we yeah, have right. a whole bunch. They're our, our neighbors. We need to give them, st- we need to, you know, provide whatever we can provide. We have plenty. And so we have these two sides. And instead of saying, well, maybe neither one of these is right or they could be, but what we're, what does it mean to just think about people as being they're human beings in a moment? So you go to a public forum and they're um, talking about immigration, and yeah. you've got you've got two sides, and one is standing up, going, "These are basic human rights, people. You know, come on, we've got to extend people basic human rights. This is the next like Holocaust, or the, you know, they say things like that. Yeah, real drastic things. Real drastic thing. And then the other side goes, we need the rule of law, for goodness sakes. This is anarchy. What in the world? You know, and then, sure. um, you know, and you've got Disciple of the Village stands up and says, these people are human. Mm-hmm. And, okay, and like, so say you do that. Yeah. And everybody goes, thanks, Eric, thank you. Okay, but... You know, back to like we got to have the rule of law, or we've got to have, uh, you, you oh. know. And so, one so side would been, be like, yeah, good, it, yeah, these people been, are human. And and I think both like the conservatives might go, yeah, yeah, we know, but humans need laws. And the right. liberals might go, right, that's why right. we're saying human so, rights. So the question becomes, so how is both of these things diminishing the image bearing? Of well, I'm the individual, and there's that, but I'm just getting at like, so you say it, you get up and say it. And then what? Like, right. like, and people go, thank you for your input, sir. Yeah. Appreciate it. Like, does it I don't, go any further than that? Does it need to actually become influential as, as the U.S. power flies overhead? Yes. Um, does, it, does it need to move forward? Do you need to continue to engage? Do you need to be committed to engage? Do you need to work toward policies? that determine what humanity is specifically um do you, you know or is it just you just say it hmm. well i think you start in the outside of the public square i don't care about the public square what i do care is about my neighbor yeah and how he speaks about it so when i, I think that's the place that you speak to because words are, are ways of not caring for people or caring for people so that's that's one way you start changing thinking by talking I think the other thing is, I mean, again, it's an individual and communal thing where you're saying, who is the neighbor and how do I meet the neighbor? Like, I think there's an expectation that we meet everything. 
I'm trying. I guess there is the action. I know what you're saying. But there's. You have to first establish how you think of it in the context of the gospel. I think is. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I mean, I, I agree with that. I just think there's like, I I read a book you know by the folks from the International Justice Mission at yes. one point, and you know at some point they went for goodness sakes the little girls are being raped over and over by the westerners with money. Yes, and so we could talk forever. Yes. And we need to go get them out. And that is right. – and but who needs to go get them out? Well, and they – They need to go get them out. We need but, to get them out. But interestingly, they had to work with the the law. So they have – they had lawyers on set. They they worked with the, right. the legal structures within each country. They worked behind the scenes to create laws where they could actually prosecute. Because if they – what they learned is if they just went in and took the one little girl out – Usually that little girl ended up right back in, and if not, she was replaced in two hours. And the so they were like, we need to rescue children yeah. out of these people's hands, yep. and then we need to build just laws into the society, and we need to work toward holding people accountable to those laws. And that's, you know, made right. a huge – it's made a huge impact, but it's very multifaceted and has a lot of – you know, there's there is the speaking, but then there's the acting, and then there's like policy that I would I would suggest reflects a kingdom not of this world here on this world. Like every time a policy is just and good, it's like a little ray of light. I, I agree, you know? and, and, yeah. and so I'm I'm totally for all those things. I think yeah. I guess you're right. I think each person has a, a certain calling, and when you look at, I just go back to the first century, and you're right. Paul used every little bit of, he could. To get to the emperor to speak the gospel, because if right. the emperor changes, the world changes. Right. That's and I think that's part of the Pauline thinking as he operates. So there is that mode. And but, he and he interestingly had a background that lent him to being able to do that. To do that, and right. so and was that going to be everybody? No, no. And some people prayed for him, and some people supported him monetarily, and so on and so forth. Right. But the reality is, for the first two hundred years of Christianity. It was a poor person's religion. In fact, it was, sure. the majority of the people who found Jesus were those who were poor. Right. And so they weren't people of power. They weren't people with influence. And it was surprising what they were, what they, they accomplished. Right. Um, Men like Cornelius listened to them. Yes. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a very powerful thing. So I think there's a route of, but what the Roman government started saying was, well, these people bury our dead. They're not theirs. They right. they go out into the forests and take our children who've been abandoned. And so I think there is an action. Yes, the gospel is action-oriented. We go down, we rescue, we do stuff. But now we also live in a world 2,000 years later where it's completely like all the underpinnings of the U.S., of England, of any progressive country, you know, is Christianity. Right. The rule of law is Christian. It's nothing else. There's no other. James K. Smith would say it's borrowed capital. Yes. Um, the yeah, all this stuff that talks about you know humanitarianism and rights and so on. Is, yeah, this is Jesus talk. Yeah, this doesn't come from uh, evolutionary biology, for example. Right, and so it gets all right. smashed into you know our secular world, and so now as Christians, the gospel is actually much more complicated to understand how we're going to live it out because right. there is a very local you and I only have a certain capacity. Yeah. But in a democracy I'm a ruler of one. 
I am a king. I have a vote. I rule my vote. I get to I get to say something of power. Yeah. I may not mean some people think doesn't think it means much, but as I raise my hand and other people raise it like me, then we make a a, a very yeah. a royal decree about something. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden things are a little bit more convoluted. So I think when it's applying the gospel, yeah, there are things like what do you do about the immigration, but but there's also just ways of thinking about it. Right. Of helping people think differently and not in a partisan yeah. manner. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I think partisan thinking reduces humanity. I think that's the, I guess, my, that's what I've thought now, talking yeah. to you all this time. <laughs> I, I couldn't be, uh, I couldn't be more uh, in agreement. I just had a, a PhD student uh, from the U of A met me yesterday. He might get a hold of you guys, actually, because he's doing a survey on, evangelicals and their um, the reason they stay committed to the Republican Party. Mm. And it, it's a whole PhD study on it. Um, he, uh, he has a background in evangelicalism, hasn't utterly um, shed that himself, but you could tell he's very he's, – he's still involved in, in church but, but has changed a lot. And he's trying to figure out – he's looking at his friends and family back – in the Bible Belt, right, and going, why is it that they, you know, that that they have to stay loyal to this party that doesn't seem to be required of them in their scriptures? Like, why is that? And it's an it's an interesting question. I think, uh, I, but I would agree with you. I don't think that the partisan uh, party choosing, pick one, pick the righteous one, is what we should be doing at all. I think we should be, we have a king and a kingdom, um, Jesus Christ and his kingdom, and we should seek to represent that here on earth and really shouldn't, um, you know, that should be the the highest flag on the flagpole right? at at the least, right? Yeah. Yeah, Well, and I think, I guess, no matter what we talk about, and to go all the way back to the beginning, I think we have to talk about it with heavy hearts. Mm -hmm. I think everything that... It is to be talked because about with heavy hearts because this is it's human beings who Jesus loved and who Jesus died for and and longs to be in relationship with who are in conflict and in, they're mistreating each other and they're in desperate situations and it, it, no matter where you are in all of it you're one of those in some form or another and it's just sad and and we right. hope that Jesus will come and, and make things new and we have to remind people. Yeah, that we are we're image bearers and deserve death, but but we have God's love. Yeah, and that's you know I, I don't know how you stand up in the in the public square and other than in just declaring. I mean, in some ways, Paul gets in front of power and he says, I, mean, I don't know, maybe in that meeting to go back to your meeting, you stand up and you say, according to the scriptures, <laughs> this is who Jesus is, and this is who will be saved. And this is how it looks, guys. And the king changes all of this. But until we all acknowledge the king, this is the battle and conflict we're going to have. Yeah. I uh, I mean, it's interesting because I'm I'm actually president of this little business association here in town these days. And um, What's the name of this business association? Sunshine Mile. Sunshine yeah. Mile. So it's the strip of Broadway that's getting redone. There's been a lot of mixed feelings. Of people have, haven't liked the way the city's approached things. There have been um, other you know organizations in the area that I wish we would have had better relationships with over the years. 
and we're working on that. Um, and you know, it's, it's an interesting thing to watch and to be a part of, but I will say that, you know, one of the, I came in as an observer and eventually, you know, had a role. Um, but one of the first things I noticed was we harbor unforgiveness here. Just one of the first, like we in this organization harbor unforgiveness and it's not a Christian organization. It's not made up of all Christians. Um, there are a lot of people with faith commitments involved. Interestingly, I discovered, um, but, um, but just to, you know, kind of a place to start was to, to start going. So when somebody's wronged us in the past, we don't talk to them anymore. Um, but you know, but we don't want people to treat us that way. Kind of like let's do unto others as we would have them do unto you. And, you know, just starting there, like, let's, let's just try to be that mm. kind of organization. Um, and I think that's opened doors back up for communication and mutual, uh, working together. That's been pretty cool. Um, and we'll see how it all goes. You know, that's just, that's the little step, but it's been cool to see in my mind, um, something that was kind of breaking because of, uh, yeah, just because of unforgiveness yeah. that you see little rays of light, like, okay, this feels a little more like the king. And it's not going to be perfect, and it isn't the kingdom of God, for goodness sakes, but it can be influenced by it. Yeah. Right? And, and I think so, forgiveness is a maybe yeah. it's a big key to the gospel, right? Huge key. And then, and then you can like, you know, I think you can have the honest discussion, like, why do I believe so much in forgiveness? You know, it's – I think this is how our souls are saved, for goodness sakes. And so wouldn't that be how we'd move forward with uh, right. any any endeavor? Right. So, um, I mean, that's just my little tiny Well, I think experience. on a – yeah. And then how does that apply moving forward in all these bigger things? Oh, I think those kind of discussions need to be had at all these levels. Yes. Right? Right. Like over and over. And, and so that's why I want people who are shaped by the gospel – in those kind of plate where they where they don't just look and go, oh, I can't stand these people. They don't work with us, but where they kind of feel brokenhearted that there's no forgiveness around here. Yeah. Oh, I think and I think forgiveness gives up power for me to forgive yeah. you means well, that I can't hold something over you. One of the key things we've we've needed to think about is giving influence to somebody who didn't do well with it before. Yeah. Or who hurt us with it before. Right. But giving it back to him again. Yeah. And um and isn't that like a little picture of grace? Um but in order for us to to, to do this reconciling work in a community organization, I mean if you count everyone's sins against them, well yeah. you just will never work together. Yeah. So it's interesting. So this maybe to answer the immigration thing, and this is maybe a story, and I don't know if it has a practical application. But when you were talking, I remember the story, and it may be totally off the deep end, but uh, it may not apply to any of this. But it, it made me think while you were talking. So I watched Chopped a lot. I used uh -huh. to. You know what Chopped is? No. Okay. So it's they take four uh, chefs from different places in the, the United States, and they put them in a kitchen, and they give them these random baskets in a three-course meal so they'll end up with like oh the appetizer and you've got you know gummy bears uh english muffins 
and chicken, and you have to come up with like a yeah. appetizer. Anyway, they tell everybody's story, and you know they're going through and telling each other the people's story as they're cooking and things like that. And start. So one of the guys is a youth pastor uh, and a chef. Yeah. And another woman's story in there is that she, her mother died, or or she she hasn't seen her mother in a long time, and she was going to use this ten thousand dollar prize to go visit her and do all. Or I don't remember all the details of her situation. At the beginning of the show, I hadn't seen it before. I told my wife, "He's going to win, and he's going to give her the money. That's how it's going to work." <laughs> And then that's exactly that's how right. it happened. And it was a really powerful moment because you could see he needed the money. Yeah. Because he needed the money to open, like, to, to fix up this restaurant he's working right. in. And they really needed it. And so he gave her half of his money so that she could go see her mother. And yeah. this beautiful moment. And I thought, so it's not necessarily forgiveness, but he gave up right. power and right for somebody who had need. Yeah. He, he didn't need to. He could right. have said, yeah, I'm sorry. That sounds really hard right. for you. And But this is a contest, and I won, and I need yeah. $10,000. And everyone, yeah. You don't need to give her the money. Right. But I think that is a picture of – I don't know how you apply that. At some level, when we think about immigration, it is the thing that we are speaking to the people who are like rule of law, rule of law. Right. That we That is part of, you know, okay, what's your power? And, 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 and can you give up some of that power in order for someone who has less? I think that's – I like it. I don't know. We've got to call this thing to a close we for two should. reasons. One, it's been a while. Two – I am podcasting again in three minutes. Three minutes? What yep. are, you, are you doing your Odd church, church podcast odd starts church in three minutes. minutes. Uh, so. All right. Have fun with the Odd Church podcast.